curious minds. And here is your host, Gary Cachulio. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I want to thank everybody for listening and also thank the contributors to my show, who are executive producers Candice Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, and Ms. Aida, psychic and author of Who Do Justice Magic, binaural production engineer Damian Keller, author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great, monthly co-host Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, it's us, and monthly co-host Cap Baldwin, author of The Forgiveness Workshop. If you are interested in contributing to this podcast, go to my website, everythingimaginable2020.com, and you'll find everything you need there. Now, without further ado, our guest for today is Cindy Zweibel, and her book is The Tarot, Journey to Higher Consciousness. Thank you for coming on today, Cindy. Thank you so much, Gary, for having me. So I know like like you and I had talked a little bit on Facebook. We have like a similar experience with the tarot. Um, can you give my listeners a little bit of your background of when you started you know, reading the cards and how you got into it and how your um, understanding and knowledge of it has grown over the years? Oh, Gary, I mean, it's really going a ways back to my childhood and my teens. Um, and in it, it's been an interesting journey. I like to say that everything I learned about life, I learned through the tarot. And everything I learned about tarot, I learned through, through life, like a microcosm and a microcosm of the same, um, that everything is symbolic and we're constantly in a stream of symbols to read in our life, whether it's in the cards or in the big picture of the movie of our life. But it was when I was about in my 30s that I discovered when I was doing my first lecture um, at Masonic Hall in New York that my father had given me my first tarot deck, which I totally didn't remember. Mm -hmm. But then, of course, as an adult, I had to go out and buy the replica of that deck. But it wasn't till my late teens. I was the sister of a brother that loved James Bond books and movies um, that went along as the tag-along sister to a movie called Live and Let Die. And I saw the high priestess on the screen, right. J.C. Moore's debut. Do you remember this? <laughs> I do remember this. I was just having a, talk, I was having a conversation today about this movie because we were listening to the song Live and Let Die no by way. Paul McCartney and I was like, oh hey, this is the first James Bond movie I ever saw with my mom and I saw it on, on New Year's Eve. I, I knew, oh on, on New Year's Day that, of that year. So You yeah. saw it with your mom and I saw it with my brother. He read every <laughs> single Aaron, what's it, uh, Errol Flynn? Uh-huh. Whatever his name is. <laughs> who wrote all the uh, James Bond books. Well, anyway, ironically enough, I'm sitting there and I'm watching the movie and I'm seeing my own face superimposed on Jane Seymour's body as the high priestess myself. And I'm having this feeling I've done this before. And I had this like past life deja vu feeling. And it was right after that movie, I felt the need to go out and um, 
buy that deck from the movie, but also to take my interest in tarot much more seriously. I had taken an interest before then, but it was right after that movie that I was glued to the set, you might say. And um, that's where my tarot card career began. It's interesting enough that right during the pandemic, the um, before the pandemic started, I I work in the event industry, um, the event entertainment industry, and the most bizarre synchronistic job came in just before it started, where a company that was doing a James Bond theme had booked me for a job that involved being the high priestess in their fundraiser, doing readings as the high priestess from the James Bond movie, Live and Let Die. (laughs) And I thought, if that is not an amazing experience, it was a gig that I had to bid on, but I knew when I was bidding on it, that was my job. Mm -hmm. What are the odds? But then, of course, (laughs) because of the pandemic, it was scheduled for April. Yeah. They had to cancel it, but uh, that's the way the pandemic started for me, <laughs> and that's the way my career in tarot started for me, and it's been an amazing, amazing journey. Mm. So, um, when you first started reading that, like when, when I first started reading, I, I was really young. I was like, I don't know, twelve or thirteen years old, and and I was just winging it. I would just guess at the meanings of the cards. And a lot of times I, I was getting people would say the readings were, were accurate. And I didn't have like that knowledge. Like I hadn't read the, the I hadn't read the one book that was available at the time, which was Eden Gray. <laughs> that was the only book oh, that was out. Was Eden Gray books. Everybody's read those that's been in the tarot. Yeah, yeah. I mean for a while like that was it. That was all there was. Yeah, that was my first book on the tarot too, to tell you the truth. Yeah. And, and and one of the things that you mentioned in the first chapter of your book was in the last chapter of one of her books, which was the association with the cards on the Kabbalah, the Tree of Life. Absolutely. Yeah, I do have that in my book, that it's based on the tree, the tree of life in the Kabbalah. And I have studied the Kabbalah in New York City. Um, it was long after my tarot studies. But I was amazed. Wow. Talk about synchronicity. It, it, it was totally in sync. And I put a diagram of the tree of life in my book because of that. So when, when, we were, when you're relating, like when I read through, I didn't read the entire book. But I, was, I, I was skimming through it. And, and, and some of it reminded me. Um, like when you compare it to the tree of life in you know the Kabbalistic work of path working, it's like you kind of incorporated some path working in layman's terms in your book for people to do. Am I right in that interpretation? Absolutely, our whole life is a path. But I find it interesting that you learn from just doing it by what the symbols look to you intuitively. <clears throat> And technically, um, that's the best way to learn. I started teaching in 1986 for the Metaphysics Center of New Jersey. And it was, um, there again, it was a door opener. I was working for somebody 
uh, or rather, I, I should say, I was invited by somebody that I worked for in the psychic fairs um, to come to her class. And at the end of the class, she said, she spurred this on me. <laughs> you know, right in the moment, our class would like to learn the tarot. Uh, would you be willing to teach? So that was it. Like all the other door openers with the tarot. And a board member of the Metaphysics Center was in that class. And that's how I got started teaching for the Metaphysics Center. But learning to read the cards just by intuitive looking at the pictures, that's truly the best way to learn. I don't, I teach the course, but I teach the tarot even in my book too. You know, I say, you know, Go by your instinct first above all things. Right. Yeah, I, and I agree with that too. Because, so, like, rather than relying on so much the meaning of the cards now, it's what does this card make me feel? Absolutely. Because that's reading from the heart center. And that's the best way to read. I mean, everything I do, whether it's tarot or art, or teaching, you know, I believe is coming from the heart center. And when you read from the heart center, you get a much more accurate picture of what's going on because that's your best guidance. That's where your higher self resides. Right. And also, um, when I was taking a course from uh, Builders of the Aditum, um, they too would also encourage you to meditate on the card and kind of put <gasps> yourself into the card and look around and see what's in the scene and, and kind of document what you're seeing, what you're feeling, what you're hearing, what you're smelling and things like that to help you come up with your own definition of each card and what it may mean to you on a personal level. I'm in total agreement with that. In fact, I'll go... Even like you said in your book, I'll go beyond that and go to the psychic aspect of your five senses. Using the intuitive level of your five senses to sense what's going on, not only in the tarot, but in life too. Because really what you're doing is you're reading a person's consciousness, which is creating the reality of the life that's displaying in front of you like a mini movie of what's happening in the bigger movie of their lives. Yes. Um, when you work with the tarot, I mean, I'm sure like when you're teaching it, when you're teaching tarot, actually, how do you, do you teach it as um, divination? Do you teach it as a set of keys? Or do you teach it as more of a spiritual path? Well, isn't that an interesting question? I love that question, Gary. I teach it as all three. I teach it because it has, there are different levels to read the tarot. There is the high level to read it at the spiritual level. What are the spiritual lessons that we're here to learn through our everyday experiences? You know, whether it's washing the dishes or, you know, driving somewhere. Um, and all of a sudden we have this intuition about something higher level that's going on in our lives that just comes to our consciousness. But I also teach it at the psychological level. You know, um, what do you need to work on within yourself 
to learn those spiritual lessons. And of course, then there's, believe it or not, the divination level is the lowest level. Yeah. But it's the one that most people are interested. What's happening? Tell me what's going to happen for me. You know, make a what magic wand go over my life and make it happen for me. But of course, I'm going to tell them what's really happening. And I'm going to tell them that it's their own consciousness that's creating what's happening in the etheric level before it grounds to matter and becomes the reality. Because hmm. everything is like brought in motion before it comes to matter. It's floating out in the air from the thoughts and feelings that you're empowering those thoughts with. You know, um, our emotions or energy in motion that are fueling those thoughts to manifest in our lives. And the cards, in essence, are just mirroring back to us what is happening. What are those thoughts? What is our consciousness creating that's becoming our experience? our manifestation, whether it's consciously or unconsciously. Right. It's kind of like um, what the Buddha said, with our thoughts we create our world, our world is created with our thoughts. Absolutely, 100%. And I loved how you incorporated that in your book, too. Thank you. I loved your book. I, like I said to you, you know, before the um, session, I personally think that your book should be in every classroom for every student, young student to read as like a, a roadmap for life. <laughs> I tried to teach my own students, which became my book. My book is like a classroom in a book. It was modeled after mm -hmm. the six-week course that I teach. Um, but I teach it as I'm a personal tutor to each person who's reading the book and I'm talking to the reader as if they were my private students mm. um, that yeah your thoughts are the creator of your reality but then that so, always brings up like another question just, to me anyway like, and this is something I left out in my own book you know because I really start thinking about this until afterwards but the question is are my thoughts really my own thoughts? How do I know? I love that. And I love when you go into the cones in your book, too. <laughs> uh, are, are your thoughts really your own thoughts? Because in essence, if you want to get to the highest level of you know what's going on in our life here on Earth, as a soul journey, having a physical experience, in a human body incarnated as this individual that we call ourselves by our name. Mm -hmm. um, in essence, every time we say our name, we are also saying God's name. I am Cindy. I am Gary. Right. So, you know, we are, you know, the higher consciousness and that God breathed into us is what my personal feeling is. And um, so who is the one doing the thinking? Who's know. being for our eyes? You know, technically, we are all one mm -hmm. experiencing as many, thinking that we're separate because of our physical bodies that are in, it. Um, in some ways, like a Halloween costume all, through, all year long. Mm -hmm. You know, especially when we get caught up 
in the experience of our identity, our personality, and forget, you know, we're part of that greater ocean, and we're just like a glass of water in that ocean. Mm -hmm. That when it goes back to the ocean, becomes part of it. So we are many levels. We are many levels of experience going through life. We're that higher self. We're the lower self. And, you know, the best of all would be to be the higher self, watching the lower self going through the experience. I always, you know, um, like to say the best way to learn about life is learning about the afterlife. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. there you're going to learn how to live life more in the moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it it's changes like everything. Life review while you're still here. <laughs> so you can figure it out better. Yeah. But that's not always what happens, as you can know. <laughs> you know, we get caught up in the reality, whether it's, you know, something medical or a relationship or, you know, we get so caught up in the experience that we forget. Mm -hmm. We're an actor in the movie. We're not the movie. You know, we're a personality having this experience. That is a soul beating the personality. Right. That's so one it's of the, like a multi-level experience. It's one of the reasons why I think a lot of people emphasize, too, is the full card. You know, number zero, because it brings us back to that place of pure awareness without the judgment. Absolutely. It's like having faith that no matter what, you're going to be fine. Mm -hmm. And I, I love how you incorporated that in your book, too, to not be concerned about what's going to happen in the future, the past. You know, if you jump off that cliff, you know, no matter what happens, whether you're here or you're on the other side, you're still a soul having the experience of life. Yeah, yeah it just seems very real. That's all. <laughs> True. Well, actually, you know, the soul card. Um, is the full card. We are the soul, which is the fool yeah. going through life. And that backpack that he's carrying is all our past lives. Hmm. But we come in through a veil of forgetfulness, we forget. And each life we try to learn something that we want to improve upon from the last. So when you're teaching your course or giving a reading, I'm sure you get this question all the time. Do we have free will or is everything predetermined and there's no way out? I love that question. That's a great question. Of course, we have free will. We have, um, even before we're born, we come in with the contract of who's going to be our parent. Where are we going to live? Who are the people we're going to come into contact with? What do we want to work on? And, um, but that's just a guiding point. Mm -hmm. That's just, you know, an idea of what we're likely to experience. But once we're here, all bets are off and you're in the show and you're improving at every moment what choice you're going to make and experiencing the consequences or the rewards of those choices. So absolutely there's free will. Hmm. The creator gave us free will because he wanted us 
to have, in a sense, the joy of learning. Of course, it doesn't always feel like joyful, <laughs> you know, as you know. Yeah. I mean, there could be experiences that don't feel joyful at all, but the idea is to be centered in the experience because when you react to the experience, in a sense, you're creating the next cycle of events that you're likely to experience. I, I love this story I learned many, many years ago about this Chinaman um, and bad things happened to him and all the townspeople said, oh, how terrible. And he said, maybe yes, maybe no. And then comes along a wonderful experience and all the townspeople say, oh, how wonderful. And he says, maybe yes, maybe no. And the whole story goes up through that same repeated, maybe yes, maybe no. And that teaches us that life is experience, whether we experience it through reaction or watching mm. as the soul having experience. Like I said, it's going to determine the next cycle of events. Um, but that takes a lot of practice. Yeah. As I'm sure you know, as a Buddhist Zen master. <laughs> well, I know that that story um, is actually a Taoist story by Chuang Tzu. And, no uh, kidding. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it, is a, it is a really good story. I first heard it, but I love that story. And I try to use it, you know, um, every semester when I teach or when I was teaching since the pandemic, you know, teaching in person. Yeah. Everything's online. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a global different. community, <laughs> which is, you know, when we first started, it was like, <gasps> oh, we're all locked in. But then once um, you get used to the home experience, Wow, there's a lot of things that we wouldn't have experienced had it not been for this. And in essence, that's kind of like what life is like. Had it not been for this experience, I wouldn't have had this understanding or this experience. I mean, now our classrooms are global. Now our friendships and our meetings are global. That most likely would not have been like that had it not been for the pandemic. I'm not saying yeah, bring it on. But um, since we were locked down, it gave, you, it gave us all an opportunity not only to connect with everybody globally, but to connect to our own higher self while we're at home. It's an opportunity to go focused inward, too, and do a lot of introspection. It did change a lot, I think, especially like in the spiritual community. It brought together a lot of people that wouldn't normally even come together. Like, you know, what, what was once viewed as a bunch of separate interests, you know, like, like Zen Buddhism and Tarot would never have been like a connected type of topic. But, but now with everybody communicating way more, people see all these different similarities and the same lessons being taught in all these different um, spiritual traditions and mythologies and symbolism. I totally agree. While I was reading your book, I was thinking, wow, I, this is like a lot of the stuff that I 
I covered in my tarot book and in my teachings too. You know, be in the moment, be conscious and mindful of what you're putting out into the universe because everything that you're seeing in front of you is compost of what was already thought into being. Mm -hmm. We are in the moment setting up for the next cycle. I had an experience that I, I like to use in the class. You know, be careful of the words you use. I'm not saying every word, but I had this experience where I was at the Center for the Media Arts. I had an interest in screenplay writing at the time. I was I'm a huge Wizard of Oz enthusiast. And I, you know, being a writer and a teacher and wanting to con- share what I learned on my journey to others. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, a big part of my being. Um, the Wizard of Oz was such, you know, a huge influence in my life. I wanted to write a screenplay, which became a movie, um, and of course book two, but I was at Center for the Movie, um, the media, uh, media arts. And I said with a little too much emotional enthusiasm, that I wanted to break into the film industry. I said, I want to work in the film industry by night so I can be inspired by, I mean, during the day so I can be inspired by night. Um, and those words went out into the universe. I want to break in the film industry, <laughs> which, you know, cancel right now. But um, that was 12 o'clock in the afternoon at 4.43 on the time that I was born on the 88th Street in New York City, a year on the one-year anniversary of my mother's passing, which was in 88, in 1989, I was hit by a drunk driver. And lo and behold, four days after I get out of the hospital, I get a call from the NYPD, who I want to prosecute. I was hit by a drunk driver and... A break in the industry was my arm was broken. <laughs> and the car that hit me was Capital Motion Pictures. Really? What are the friggin' odds? <laughs> Did I want that kind of break in the film industry? No. But I'm just <laughs> using that as an example of the power of our spoken words. Mm-hmm. It's funny. That reminds me of a story from um, that happened to. Trey Anastasio from the band Fish, he 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 was the, he had the band Fish and he was trying to get recognized, and he was walking across the street in New York City and he got hit by a limo, and, That's and, 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 and it turned out that Roger Daltrey from the Who was in the limo, and he ah. gave Robert Daltrey one of his tapes, and that's how Fish got started. In that interest, and that's. You know, as you cover in your book and I cover in my book, these synchronicities are happening all the time. Miracles are happening every day, just like they speak about it in the um, Course in Miracles. Mm-hmm. It's just that we're not used to paying attention to these everyday synchronicities that feel like miracles. Right. Gary, right. can you give me a second? I forgot to bring a bottle of water sure. to sit next to me. Hold on. Okay. Be right back. Because right. my voice is getting hoarser and hoarser. I don't know why. 
I'll sound better. At least I'll feel better. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Sorry about that. I meant to have it. You know, you can, you can never plan the way you think you're going to. No, no. I don't plan anything anymore. Yeah, you really can, even though you think you can. Because, like you said in your book, you know, one false move and your whole life can be different. Yeah, yeah. You never really know what's going to happen. Like you said, that slip on the ice, you know, like everything could be like a chain Mm -hmm. reaction of things you didn't plan, but they happen. Absolutely. Actually, that happened to me where I slipped on the ice and my car did a 300 and, what is it, like 180 turn? Mm-hmm. And I was on my way to, uh, I think I was working at HBO or uh, Showtime at the time. I used to do a lot of TV network jobs. Like uh, when I was doing the corporate jobs in the event mm-hmm. entertainment industry, I spent a yet, lot of years in that industry. Um, and it was a snowy, icy day. And right at the corner, or I guess um, the, the crossroad of two highways, I don't know if you know these, Route 80 and Route 46, or the Turnpike, uh, somehow, well, it's around that area, uh. 46, Turnpike um, in New Jersey. And I, I realized I was about to miss the turn, and I quickly tried to make it, and my car slid on the ice. Do you know, not a single car touched my car. Wow. You know, so I people who don't believe in angels, let me tell you, they exist. Yeah. I had an experience like that, too, on 287. I was coming home from work one night. I had worked, like, overtime, and I was tired, and I fell asleep while I was driving. And I went past my exit. And I looked over and I said, oh, crap, I hit past my exit. And I, I woke up just as I was passing it. And I hit my brake. Now that my car spun around yeah. back. And somehow I ended up on the right exit facing the right direction. And didn't hit anybody on 287, yeah. which is like loaded with traffic. That's what I mean. Like, absolutely, you know, for people who don't believe in angels and spirit guides, I have the best piece of evidence that they exist. I had this crazy, crazy experience at one of the expos in New York. I was friends with the people who were doing the Kirlian photography at the expo. Oh, and you wore your badge of honor, your aura picture mm-hmm. on your outfit, whatever it is. They, they either tape it to you or pin it to you. And um, so I was friends with them. And I was just going there to say hello, and we did an experiment um, while we while I was there. I had no idea that I was going to have, you know, this um, crazy feeling of betrayal in my own booth with the people I went in on it with. Um, we were all doing readings there, and I experienced jealousy from the others in my booth, and um, they weren't so nice to me, and I was, you know, heartbroken because I thought, you know, we're like a little family, you know, we're all in it together. Well, not so much. And um, I was teary-eyed. I took a break. I went to go visit my friends in the uh, Kirlian photography booth. And they took a picture of me um, 
you know, we had been doing these experiments three days prior. You know, what would happen if you were thinking about this? What would happen if you were thinking about that? And we took shots. And the, the pictures remarkably lined up with the chakra representation of colors. You know, of thought. Mm. And chakras are real, too. But anyway, in this one particular picture, when I was having this experience, above my head, there is a face clearly seen. And it's in the tarot book, too. I don't know if you saw it yet. No, I didn't see it. Um, but what page it, is it, it on? Um, I don't have it on hand. Um, if you want, I can get the book. But I got it here. There's the photo. It, it's not as easy to see in black and white. Let me see if I can get the picture of it. Hold on. Oh, here we go. I have It's so much easier to see in, in color. But I did do a black and white picture of the picture mm -hmm. um, because my book doesn't carry color. Yeah, I found it here. Um, yeah, well, um, I'll show you the exact picture. Here okay. it is. You may, um, I have a blown up somewhere. I have a blown up picture. But um, a spirit guide. I mean, I know who it is, showed up right above me, and the light was white and sparkly, like mm -hmm. fireworks looking on the photograph, and you can clearly see a picture of somebody right ahead of me. There's a picture of a male um, with long hair and a beard, um, mustache. You can make out the shadow of the person. And I use that in my class for four decades to show my students, yes, we come in with spirit guides. Here's an example. Can you see the picture? In the picture, mm -hmm. can you see the spirit guide above me? And without a doubt, everyone saw it every year. And some people can make out exactly who it is, like I know who it is. Because I don't tell. <laughs> I let them... Figure it out for themselves. Okay, so it doesn't come across as easily in the bigger picture. You can't see it as much on the oh, screen. Yeah, or maybe you can. I can see it. You can? And, yeah, I definitely uh, see a face. Yeah, and yeah, and in the, um, the smaller pictures, you know, these is days that led up to um, the actual experience. Um, these are from the same year. Wow. The, the energy was already starting to build in a white light above my head. Um, I don't know if you could see it, but it was already starting to build. And ironically enough, in one of the pictures, um, you can't see it in the one over here. I don't know where that picture is is a picture of one of the guys that was reading the photographs, the Kirlian photographs. Mm -hmm. And when he was in deep meditation, we took a shot of him and it was all white above his head. But my favorite picture is that one with the spirit guide above me. That's I love, Yeah, I love to show that to my students. You know, like no matter what you're going through, you may not know it, um, but they're there for you. Just like 
in that car accident. I was hit by a drunk driver. It was hit mm-hmm. and run. I was out cold. And yet they found the guy by the license plate. Uh, how on earth did they get the license plate? I, I personally think that the angels implanted the license plate in my memory because I didn't see it personally. How did they find them? I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> and how am I even here? By all you know, rights, I shouldn't be here, but I am. And I think in a lot of times, um, angels come to our rescue. Our spirit guides are watching over us. And we have that intuition or that feeling. And even they show up in our tarot card readings too. They, I like to mm-hmm. use the hermit card right. as the spirit guide. But in a certain area of the spread, I don't know if you saw the, um, the spread that I use mm-hmm. in the book. But in the spread that I use, there actually is a spiritual area of the spread. And when I see a person card, like a court card, that usually tells me that the person has somebody in spirit looking after them. Sometimes their names will come through. I mean, when you are doing psychic work, when you're doing tarot work for X amount of years or even X amount of time, depending on the contract you come in with, what's going to be your strength, your talent, um, your inclination? the thing that you love, that's where you're going to have the gift. But everybody has some gift in some area. But if you have that inclination, you're going to have that intuition. And sometimes the names of the people on the other side will come to you even. Because the cards, even while working with them, they're like a bridge, you know, to the spirit world. Yeah. While you're using them. I like to say I feel like a human telephone <laughs> between here and the spirit world yeah. but that's what it really feels like yeah, I don't know how names come to me <laughs> how, how do you explain that it's yeah. the same way artwork comes to me it's the same way you know somebody who's gifted in anything they have their gifts it's coming through you and where is it coming from it's a higher source mm-hmm. higher self angel guide whatever you want to call it do you think that, that people have the same spirit guide, the same angels protecting them for the entire life? Or do you think that they switch in and out when we need different things? Oh, I love that question. Both. The answer is both. We have a spirit guide that's with us throughout our whole life. And then we have various different spirit guides that come into our life. Um, you know, they, the changing of the guards, I like to call it, because that was actually what was used for me. Um, I was doing cards at the Renaissance Festival in New York. I don't know if you're familiar with the, the Renaissance Festival. I've been to the one here in New Jersey. I think it was like in Cherry Hill or something I went one time. I didn't really have one in New Jersey. But this was, yeah. I think, was Tuxedo, New York. And um, I went in with a couple of friends and we had a booth on Psychic Way. You know, you're doing readings on haystacks. Mm-hmm. And ironically enough um the people in the booth right next door to me uh weirder than weird i mean we're all again we're all doing it on haystacks but i had 
I don't know if you know Tim Beckley. No. Um, Timothy Green Beckley. But he was a close friend and former boyfriend of mine. And he used to give me a lot of things to illustrate for his books. Um, and many times I wouldn't know the author personally. I wouldn't know them by name. But turns out one of the books I illustrated for him was illustrated by the female whose booth was next door to mine. Wow. What are the odds? <laughs> That's how I met her. <laughs> but going back to the changing of the guards, during one of our breaks, you know, a lot of readers like to do readings for themselves, you know, get readings themselves. Um, and so I did an exchange with one of the people in her booth. And um, it was... 1988 it was august and i got this message it was somewhere like around five in the afternoon you know early evening and the person said to me like you know i feel a changing of the guards and at that moment i felt like a tap on my shoulder you know like i felt like somebody holding my shoulder mm -hmm. and i go home and i found out that my mother had passed and I thought, what? Are you kidding? I mean, yeah, that's a big deal. And it's a big experience. But my mother apparently was my spirit guide in that moment. And there was the changing of the guards. And when you have a loved one that crosses over, especially somebody you're very close to, a lot of times they will become your spirit guide. In addition to the spirit guide that you came into this world with. And you never have just one. And those are that's two of the things that I really think are now, or something that's been missing in culture, in American culture especially, is the idea of um, having a physical life and a spiritual life, and also the idea of ancestry worship too, like knowing that that ancestors and stuff like that are were responsible for us being here, and they're also still a part of a spiritual family, even though they're not. In a physical form. I don't know about the responsible for being here. I mean, I'm not a practitioner mm -hmm. of that personal belief. I, I think of Mulan when you say that. You know, <laughs> where she's so into the ancestor, let the ancestor tell me what to do. You know, at one point in the movie, are our ancestors, you know, our relatives around us? Yeah, uh, but are they the reason why we're here? I'm not a practitioner of that belief. Mm -hmm. I believe that, you know, we, we come here um, and because of certain things that we want to learn that we would not be able to learn in the spirit world where everything is wonderful and instantly manifested. Um, when we come to the physical world, it's a much more dualistic world where we're learning from duality. Um, and while we're here, yes, do we have the comfort and are we watched over by our ancestors? Yeah, I remember doing an exchange reading with a friend in a psychic fair I was doing for the Metaphysics Center of New Jersey. And again, you know, like during our breaks, you know, what do readers like? We like doing, <laughs> reading, giving readings ourselves. And 
this one particular reader who I encourage the uh, current chairperson of the Metaphysics Center to bring back, make sure you bring this guy back, because I was a resident psychic there for a while, as well as a teacher mm -hmm. for them many, many years, you know, for a good four decades. And this one reader, um, not the only reader in my life, but this one reader, he picked up uh, messages from my grandfather that were spot on. I only knew him till I was three years old, but apparently he had been watching over, you know, what was going on in my family life. And he was just reading off verbatim what I personally experienced and giving me a picture of, you know, my family member um, when he was much younger um, and what led to where he was and how he behaved, you know, as a family member, as an adult, and gave me understanding of, you know, the rippling effect of things. Mm. But I, like I said, I only knew him till I was three years old. That was my father's father. Interesting. And he was the only grandparent that I got to meet in person. It's interesting. But only till I was three. That's like a lot of people that I've had on my cat on my show about talking about spirit guides and things. They would always tell me that that they would describe who was my the person that was my great grandfather as a kid. They're like, oh yeah, he, he's with you, he's with you. And but I think I only knew him for like maybe the first five years of my life. Yeah. But when they can tell you things that are spot on, like there's no way they could know about certain things that, um, well, in this case, like my father had, he had a harmonica in his desk drawer. He liked to entertain his friends with tarot cards. My father had tarot cards. <laughs> what are the odds? I find this out too when I was 30 years old. Not only did he give me my first deck when I was a kid, but he read tarot cards himself. That's not what he did as a profession. My father was in aerospace and he worked on things like the Apollo and the Geminis and things like that. Um, but he read tarot cards as an entertainment hmm. uh, source for his friends when he was a teenager. Like you, when he was only 12 or 13 years <laughs> old. I started when I was 19. My father started when he was 12 or 13. Wow. But, you know, good. Apparently, it runs in the family, I guess. Yeah, I think I think it does. It's sort of passed down. Um, so, Does so anybody in your family read them too? I had an aunt in Pennsylvania. I had an aunt in Pennsylvania who read tarot cards. Really? And um, But my also, my, my mom had this thing where she said that Anybody in my family born with a veil over their face as a child has psychic abilities, and she was born with it, and I was born with it. I have no idea about anything that happened to me when I was born, except for baby pictures, because my father liked to take pictures. But um, I don't. I have no idea. It's, if I was, I wouldn't even know. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really know. I thought it was something my mom made up. Until I told one of my guests about it, 
And she goes, oh, I've no. Heard of it. And she's like, oh, no, it's a real thing. It's called, it's called the call. And I looked it up and I was yeah. like, yeah, it's a real thing. It's like a, a part of like the, the placenta, which doesn't break free. That's what it is? Yeah. I've heard of it, but I never knew that it was part of the placenta. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. And that's got the sign that you're going to be psychic later on. Mm-hmm. I had the sign before I even read tarot cards. I was just a little kid. And I remember I must have been about maybe about three or four, maybe about four years old. I'm, I'm just guessing. Um, but I know I was very, very young. And uh, there was a playground behind where we lived with tall grass. And I used to like to make believe I was, you know, going away from home, getting away from home. And where nobody could see me in the tall grass. And I would lie in that tall grass and try to make forms out of the clouds with my mind. Mm-hmm. Where'd that come from? I don't know. But during that time, I remember hearing voices and people telling me things that I had no way of knowing. I, could, I couldn't see them, but I could feel them and I could hear them. As clear as clear can be, like as I'm hearing you. Um, and then when I was in high school, I remember I had experiences where I saw things happening before they were about to happen, like uh, my high school boyfriend's prom, one of his proms, my first prom going was to his. And I remember an experience two weeks before seeing everybody at the table. And who was going to say what? And so when it actually happened, it was like, (gasps) but it was a series of things. I mean, you don't know when you're a little kid that not everybody else is hearing people's voices Mm. like that. You don't know that it's a a gift you came into this world with. I mean, Mm. it came in handy when I started doing tarot card readings. Yeah. Yeah. But did I know that I had I was psychic back then? Heck no. Right. No, back then. I mean, my response, I remember thinking was, there's no privacy anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> that was my response as a little kid. Do, do, you, when you, when, do you ever have an issue where, you know, you wish your psychic abilities would give you certain answers about yourself and your own life and you don't get them because you're supposed to learn them yourself and find it frustrating? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Did, have I ever read for myself? Yeah. Is it as easy as reading for somebody else? No. Because <laughs> you're less objective. You right. want to read into the cards what you want to see. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's hard to detach your own life from reading about yourself but have i gotten i have gotten some instincts yeah i have gotten like you know you have this hunch this feeling this intuition and then it actually you know to go somewhere or to call someone um i'm sure it's happened to you where you had that happen to you um it happen all the time 
not that I'm aware of. <laughs> but has it happened where I've gotten, in, you know, an intuition for myself? Yeah. I mean, I've actually, uh, this is kind of interesting. I've actually had times where I got lost and I said, you know, like on the way to a job or something. And I'll say, you know, um, maybe I didn't have reception on my cell phone or I was having problems with the GPS. I said, guides, help me out, you know, to get to where I'm going. And um, I put that out there. Did I get that help? I sure did. Did they get me to where I was going? They sure did. One of the times, this time, I, I just off the wall what happened. This is really bizarre. One of the times when I said, you know, help me to get to where I'm going, the GPS on my phone wasn't working. The GPS wasn't working. There, it kept taking me in the exact same spot over and over. I don't know if you've ever had that happen. I have to had it happen. Yes. And then I'm thinking, oh, I'm stuck. I'm an hour and a half away from my home. It's in the middle of a snowstorm. And I just pulled over my car to figure out what to do try to call the person and they're not picking up. Well, this police car pulls up to my car and it says, is there anything wrong? You know, um, and I told them what was going on. I'm lost. I have to get to this job. What are the friggin' odds? The guy is a police chief in the town where I was working and he hand drove me right to the person's house. <laughs> police escort. And when I got to the job, people are wondering, what's going on? <laughs> but it was a personal police escort right to the job. And I happened to stop in front of the guy's home. He was just going home from his job. Hmm. What are the odds? That's amazing. So, so stuff that happened. So, do you, so, so obviously then, you was, I would have to get the idea that you believe in synchronicities, not necessarily Absolutely. coincidences. I believe that coincidences are synchronicities. Yes. I have a I have a great story to tell on another synchronicity. So-called synchronic coincidence? No way. I'm coming home from a spiritual conference in uh, what is it? Uh, Lake George. I had never driven that far. I had a job that I had to leave the conference early for on the last day. And I forgot to look at my gas tank before I left. And I had printed out the wrong directions on my computer for how to get there and how to get home. I printed out two how to get there, but there was no how to get home. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, oh, gosh. And I forgot to look at my gas tank. So, again, I asked the angels. I asked my guides. Please, and I'm like really calling out everybody, you know, like saints, Jesus, God, uh, everybody, guides, help me, help me, help me. And the, the weirdest thing happened. I finally get to a gas station and the, the car, I kid you not, was on the red portion of the empty where you know like any second you're just stuck in the middle of nowhere with no gas in your tank. And I remember getting to the, the gas station and the overhead music, the chorus of the overhead music was playing, help me, help me, help me, or save me, save me, save me, something like that. 
And I thought, what? Are you kidding? <laughs> so they, they watch over us. We just don't know. We, but until those little synchronicities save me. That was it. They was, it was save me, save me. Wow. And I remember telling my um, fellow students in my meditation class at the time and my teachers that story because it was the group that they were hosting like George. So, so what do you think the point is for us being here in this dual duality type of world, other than to have the experience? What, what do you think? Do you think each of us are here to learn some different lesson? Or do you think that there's one lesson that we're all supposed to master? I'd say all the above. All the above, because there's that oneness space where we're all part of, you know, the one energy, you know, the, but there's also the individual lesson, um, where we literally contract before we're born what we want to learn and we pick out the people that we're going to interact with. And, um, you know, you do a life review and a holographic movie theater, so to speak. Um, and see your past life, see the life that you're about to enter. Um, but it doesn't show you everything. It just shows you like a piece after you get here, you know, you're on your own. <laughs> and, um, but we do, we have a report card in the spirit world that we come back to home because that's our natural home. Um, with things that we came to learn. So yeah, in essence, life on earth is kind of like earth school and just like we get report cards in school we get report cards in the spirit world except it's not where somebody else is judging us we are the judge of ourselves with the council of elders that we meet when we go back home and that we contracted with before we were born Sometimes I wonder about the contract thing. I say this all the time whenever the contract thing comes up. It's like, I don't remember signing up for this, you know? Like, I, I think know. sometimes I think I got tricked. Like, like they waved, like, the sex, drugs, and rock and roll part of it in front of me. And I just went for it and ignored the rest of the contract. I'm thinking, why did I sign up for certain things that happened to me? We had a fire in the building. <laughs> that, that hit-and-run drunk driver thing. I mean, I, I a couple of things that are going on at the moment. I'm thinking, what the hell was I thinking, you know, before I came in? You know, did I just want to get it all done in one shot or something? <laughs> <laughs> get it over with? Right. Who knows? But um, I, I happen to be fortunate enough um, to get uh, channeled readings at maybe I think it was like the between 84 and early 2000 from um, a very gifted medium who was also part of this um, angel teachings spiritual lessons organization that I belong to um, they were called the Julian teachings mm -hmm. and my teacher in that Julian in the Julian teaching is the one I actually dedicated my book to. You'll see it in the beginning of the book. Uh, she was 
a person I had never experienced that you just feel like you've known the person all your life. You feel like um, this unusual connection. Yes, we come and meet people we knew in past lives and things like this, but I'd never known anything like this where I felt so close and um, there was an unusual connection. I, and she passed even on Christmas morning. So she was a really advanced soul and um, she really changed my life a lot at the time, which is why, I mean, the love bond was incredible. But I remember thinking, you know, I only got a short time with her, mm. but I was told about me being part of these teachings by this non-physical entity and these channeled readings back in 84, which became a reality in 2005. I mean, talk about synchronicities. I was um, looking through the various tapes of the tapes you could purchase to listen to of the seraphim angel who was giving these teachings over a period of 35 years through a medium um, that became books, that became a series of classes, and they were all documented and recorded. And there was one tape, lo and behold, on the tarot, and I'm thinking, oh, there's one she gave us a lecture on the tarot? And so, of course, I bought the tape. Mm-hmm. I'm listening to the tape and I'm thinking this one person is asking a lot of questions. You know, is really standing out and asking a lot of questions. And then I realized, son of a gun, that's me. That was me. <laughs> I was the one I totally forgot that um, many years earlier before I took these teachings that um, the wife and the husband who were providing these readings. Her husband was a medium. He was mm -hmm. actually um, in charge of television production at the United Nations, but he also started the psychology, the parapsychology club at the United Nations. And um, they knew that I was teaching tarot. They even had their own daughter study with me. But I remember um, they brought me to this place in New York. I don't remember exactly where it was, but it was at some hotel in New York where the medium who was channeling these seraphim angel teachings was giving a lecture on the tarot and they invited me to come. I had no recall of that at the time I bought that tape. So you can only imagine my surprise when, oh, it's me on that tape. <laughs> I'm the one who's asking all those questions. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's definitely, that is definitely no coincidence there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, even the door openers with tarot, I mean, it was just one right after the other. I'm, I'm at a party. Um, well, not a party. It's kind of a gathering with um, in an artist community in, in New York City. And we were gathering in Central Park. And during the time, they had these three um, shows for Shakespeare in the Park. Mm -hmm. 
but people would line up for hours and hours on end to get a ticket to being in the front row and things. And so I used to be one of those people that would come and picnic out on those lines, but I'd always be the one that was in the back of the line. <laughs> but it just so happens, it was on the day of this artist gathering that I saw all these people sitting on the grounds in, in Central Park, and I realized there's a play going on there the night that was right after my gathering. And I saw people, you know, a couple of people playing with tarot cards. What are the odds? I went up to them and I said, I do this professionally. I'm a professional, you know, tarot reader and psychic. I said, uh, if you have a ticket for the front row, for, if you have a ticket that you can exchange, I'd be happy to do a reading for you. And I got it. Yeah, the exchange, I ended up getting um, a ticket in the front. I've never been in the front for the uh, Shakespeare in the Park in exchange for tarot card reading. I mean, things like this are more than synchronicity. Yeah. I mean, more than coincidence. They are pure synchronicity. And then even the way I start teaching, the way I start practicing with that paranormal experience, doors were opening left and left, you know, left and right and left and right. And these are the signs when things are going, you know, doors are opening, you're on your right path. Hmm. So, um, before we wrap this up, yeah. what is like the one thing that you would suggest to anybody who's considering learning how to read tarot? Um... Well, first of all, I always suggest the Rider Waite deck. And I suggest don't get hung up on the meanings of the cards as you were doing. Read them intuitively. Um, and what I like to say is like the tarot is a mirror of your own consciousness that's creating the experience that you're having. And like I said earlier in our session, um, everything I learned from life, I learned from tarot. Everything I learned from tarot, I learned from life. This hmm. life is a macrocosm, and the tarot card readings are a microcosm, a mini-movie of the big movie of our life. And to recognize when you see something in the tarot cards, it's not written in stone. Everything is still changeable while it's yet to ground become manifested. Pay attention when you see something. If you see something that you like, great, you're on the right path. If you see something you don't, you still have the opportunity to change it. And if it's something you're meant to experience, read it either for yourself or somebody else as a lesson to be learned, do not plant negative information. Because that seed, whether it's going to happen or not, could be something that the person, you know, goes on and takes that seed and they grow it in their mind and they can manifest it just by their belief. You know, just like going to a doctor's office and the doctor gives them some terrible news. And if they a lot of miracles have happened where the person chose not to believe it and they had you know, healings elsewhere. Um, and 
also where the person was so hung up on what they heard that, you know, they, they manifest by their own belief. Mm. Don't believe anything except what comes from your own heart center. Whether it's from the cards or it's from a person or a book or a TV, always go with your heart and let your heart be the guide of how you read the cards. And use the pictures. Don't, mm -hmm. like I said, don't get hung up on the key meanings. Um, another thing is, I, I don't believe in reverse. I know some people read upright and reverse. I do not. I don't either. Way, <laughs> oh, that's great, Gary. Yeah, I don't mess with I say, reverse. you know, like, I don't turn people upside down to figure out whether they're positive or negative. And I don't read cards upside down to figure out whether something's positive or negative. Yeah, so that's my feeling about reverse. I actually have, I think I have a chapter on just that alone. <laughs> yeah, I don't do that either. Yeah. And the tarot is, is also, um, as you use the tarot, you're going to exercise a muscle, a psychic muscle in yourself that's been lying dormant for years. So don't be surprised if you grow psychically from using the tarot cards too. It's an open-eyed meditation. Mm -hmm. oh, definitely excellent advice, you know. Thanks. Uh, you know, because it goes right back to that. Um, we're creating our reality with our thoughts. Absolutely. And it's important Absolutely. to keep in mind. Because you don't yeah. want to, you know, plant the wrong thing in somebody's consciousness. Absolutely. So even like with the death card or the devil mm. card and the deck, people get all hung up on stuff like that. And I say, you know, it represents, it doesn't represent physical death. What it represents is the end of a cycle. Yeah. You know, the death of a situation, like uh, going from winter to spring, going from childhood to adulthood, the ending perhaps of a job or a relationship. But it's also, you know, one door closing, one door opening. Mm -hmm. uh, look at it as an opportunity for renewal also. And right. the devil part, you know, is it's not just, you know, it's not a physical devil. What it is, is it's the material world. Don't get hung up on the material world. Right. Uh, you know, and each one of these cards represents a zodiac sign. The zodiac uh, for the devil is Capricorn. The zodiac for the death card is Scorpio. So it could also be, you know, timing. Um, but again, going back to the the devil card, materialism. Don't get hung up on materialism. You're here to learn something. Um, it could be a fear, or it could be anger, it could be a negative emotion, it could be ego. Um, but even in the card, it shows the chains. You know, don't feel like, look, don't let your ego be keeping you from having a full life experience. Listen to your heart, not your ego. Absolutely. So I want to thank you for taking the time to be on today. And Thank it was a you. pleasure talking to you. We'll have to do this again. And, I would love to. And before we wrap it up, where's the best place for my listeners to find you, find your book, and to find your artwork? Thank you so much. My artwork um, actually is be beyond weird. It started at the beginning of the pandemic. I started doing these pictures um, 
daily pictures to keep people from getting hung up on what's going on and give them something hopeful to look forward to, as well as myself. But it became a community mm -hmm. and it became a collection of over 300 drawings I was posting daily. Um, so now you can go on Facebook, um, on my Facebook page. Soon I'm going to have them um, available. Uh, I hope to get into NFTs. Uh, you can always email me um, at czpent, that's P like Peter, E-N-T, as in Tom, at AOL.com. Um, you can email me to set up a session for readings, or you can email me to get information about my art. And I am going to be making it available for purchase. I'm on the verge of that right now. Awesome. It didn't start off that way. It started off, you know, just trying to hold the light for everybody. Mm -hmm. So there was no pressure or anything. And, and who knew a following was going to happen after that? And that people would actually leave me messages saying that, you know, it made a difference for them. Somebody from Australia left me the most beautiful message saying those pictures gave her hope every day. That's awesome. I, you know, that, that, if it's doing that, then that's like the best case scenario for me. <laughs> and how about the book? Where can people get the book? The book? Oh, I'm so in love with the book I wrote. I gave it my absolute everything. As I, I'm sure you did with your book. But it's on Amazon, Amazon.com. Okay, well, I'll put the links. My name in the search engine, or you could put in Tarot: A Journey to Higher Consciousness. Well, I'll put. And a, if you have any questions, they could always email me too. Okay, well, I'll put a link to it in notes of this episode, so my listeners can get it. Awesome! Again, thank you so much for having me here, Gary. It was an absolute delight conversing with you and having the opportunity to share with your listeners and watchers you're welcome thank you very much and just hang on for one moment and i'm just going to play the outro thank you for listening to everything imaginable you can reach gary at everything imaginable2020.com Message him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can buy t shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise to support the cost of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of this page www.everythingimaginable2020.com. Also buy the book Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need. You can find it on Amazon and it will change your life. Because remember, everything that it says was first imagined. <laughs>